Thanks for coming this morning. Um, I, uh, I'm pregnant with three things, with three children. One is session one, session two, and tomorrow morning. And, um, you know, I said that word that God is accelerating, and, and that is real for me. God is showing me stuff that I haven't seen before. He's taking me deeper on things that he's shown me and the depth to which is burning inside. And so, um, yeah, I, uh, like always, are going to do my best to get through this and fill in the blanks. And at the same time, I, um, I'm just going to let him speak through me. Um, so we're, uh, I just ask you now to prepare your hearts. Um, fundamentally, what I'm about to teach, I believe, is the most important teaching in the Bible. I really believe this with all my heart. To understand uh, the marriage covenant is the most important. In fact, if we don't get this, we won't end up where we need to end up. Sight of this will have us finishing well, and a lack of sight won't have us finishing well. If we can capture this through Revelation today, I believe in the church there'd be no divorce. Because what I'm about to teach you, and I hope the Holy Spirit will teach you, gives you the motivation to work out your issues. It gives people the reason why God calls it a covenant, not a commitment. It infuses him with you and you with him to be able to love someone else with the love of heaven, which isn't conditional. It's unconditional. It doesn't love looking to get anything back. Chris and I were just talking about this before. It's a love that's separated from humanity in the sense of, well, if I love like this and I don't get this, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It means you can love purely another person because you understand and have revealed in your heart and your mind the purpose of why you're with this person because it's the same purpose God is with you and you are with God. And so I just ask you to, to really tune in, really tune in, put aside things in your life at the moment, put aside what might be happening at home, put aside all these things and just tune into the frequency of the Spirit, not to hear information, but to hear the Word of God. So even in note-taking, don't be so fascinated trying to scribble down the, everything I'm saying, hear the message behind the message. Jesus preached messages behind the message. He wasn't talking about farming. He wasn't talking about fishing. If you hear those things, you'll never hear the word behind the message. You'll never hear the word that sets you ablaze, transforms you, builds you, changes you from the inside out. And so I pray today, Holy Spirit, that we'll have ears to hear Father, I ask you to open up our minds to understand, to comprehend the fullness of this message that comes through the Spirit, these words, this language that is not of earth but of you. And I'm not talking about tongues. I'm talking about the frequency in which Jesus preached. So, Father, help us today to grab the fullness of this. In Jesus' name. So um, I'm going to start with a couple of jokes, and uh, one is for the men and one is for the ladies. A man was riding his Harley beside a Sydney beach when suddenly the sky clouded above his head, and in a booming voice the Lord said, Because you have tried to be faithful to me in all ways, I will grant you one wish. 
the biker pulled over and said, build a bridge to New Zealand so I can ride over any time I want. The Lord said, your request is materialistic. Think of the enormous challenges for that kind of undertaking, the supports required reaching the bottom of the Pacific and the concrete and steel it would take. It would nearly exhaust several natural resources. I can do it, but it is hard for me to justify your desire for worldly things. Take a little more time and think of something that could possibly help mankind. The biker thought hard about it for a long time. Finally, he said, Lord, I wish that I and all men could understand our wives. I want to know how she feels inside, what she's thinking when she gives me the silent treatment, why she cries, why she means, sorry, what she means when she says nothing's wrong and how I can make a woman truly happy. The Lord replied, you want two lanes or four on that bridge? <laughs> All right, for the ladies. The CIA had an opening for an assassin. After all the background checks, interviews, and testing were done, there were three finalists, two men and a woman. For the final test, the CIA agents took one of the men to a large metal door and handed him a gun. We must know that you will follow your instructions, no matter what the circumstances. Inside this room, you will find your wife sitting in a chair. Kill her. The man said, you can't be serious. I could never shoot my wife. The agent said, then you're not the right man for this job. Take your wife and go home. The second man was given the same instructions. He took the gun and went into the room. All was quiet for about five minutes. Then the man came out with tears with his eyes. I tried, but I can't kill my wife, the agent said. You don't have what it takes. Take your wife and go home. Finally, it was the woman's turn. She was given the same instructions to kill her husband. She took the gun and went into the room. Shots were heard, one shot after another. They heard screaming, crashing, banging on all for a while. After a few minutes, all was quiet. The door opened slowly and there stood the woman. She wiped the sweat from her brow. The gun is loaded with blank, she said. I had to beat him to death with the chair. <laughs> so I hope neither one of those jokes is our reality um, today. <laughs> But how true was it? <laughs> In our minds, maybe. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I started with jokes because today's going to be weighty. Okay, What you're going to hear is weighty. It's not heavy. Jesus said, I don't burden my people with heavy loads, but he does give us weighty loads. And how many people know that God's ways are perfect? We sing a song, Chris Tomlin wrote a song about good, good father for all his ways are perfect. And so what I hope to be able to communicate today with clarity is God's perfect design. How many people know that we're not perfect? Danielle and I do not have the perfect marriage, but we are moving towards the picture of the perfect marriage. 
There is a perfect design for the man and the woman. There are perfect roles that God has given us inside this thing called the marriage covenant. And they are weighty. They are weighted with responsibility. And God wants to give us responsibility to come into a realm of the spirit, a realm of the word that wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. So our marriages in outworkings are to vindicate the wisdom of God. It does not just stay in an intellectual form. That is an aspect of wisdom to know something, but to live it out is the fulfillment of what wisdom is in God. Because people need to see God on the earth. And they see God on the earth through the vehicle God has given the earth called his people, the church. So what we're going to hear is weighty. How many people know there is no condemnation in Christ? None. So don't hear what I'm about to share and be condemned if you go, I am nowhere near that perfect standard. Okay? Don't condemn yourself. Allow the Spirit to convict you, but don't allow yourself or adversary to condemn you because that would be wrong because the Father loves us all. The Father does not condemn. How many of you condemn your children when they do things that aren't quite right or aren't quite to the standard in which you would have in your home? But you do discipline your children, yes? You do bring them, you hope there's a conviction through the discipline that their behavior would align through love. Yes. Where do you think that comes from? Everything physical is a foreshadow of everything spiritual. Our marriages are a foreshadow of the real thing. So God starts with giving us the real thing. He gives us the perfect plan. He gave us the perfect son, and he says, right, now my power is going to elevate you to the perfect standard. You can't reach this perfect standard in your strength, so you need to come through the pathway of weakness for you to be strong, so then your life and your marriage and your relationship could look like this, yes? So I'm going to give you the truth. And it is weighty, but don't let the truth condemn you. Hear it and go, wow. Hear it and go, is that possible for me as an individual maybe? Because we don't need to be physically married to capture what I'm about to share. Okay, The guy that preached this stuff wasn't married. Because it has nothing to do with a physical marriage and everything to do with a spiritual one. All right? So allow the truth to build you up. Hear it the right way. So if you have questions afterwards, come and share with me. We're going to have dialogue in our groups. Okay, so let's just go to our notes. Two things we're going to cover this morning. Number one, the primary purpose, that's the blank, the primary purpose of the marriage covenant between male and female. We're going to unpack that this morning. This is what I'm covering, okay? And the afternoon sessions will be different. And we're going to look at honor and intimacy. The second thing that I'm covering this morning is the roles and responsibilities that the male and female, the roles and responsibilities that the male and female are to live out within the covenant of marriage.
So those are the two things we're going to tackle this morning. We're going to hit number one, then we're going to have some discussion, then we're going to have some morning tea, then we're going to come back and hit session two, and then we'll have lunch after a discussion. So just as it says there, there's a note, it doesn't matter if we are married physically or not, as we all, everyone say all, all need to come into the revelation of the marriage covenant God has established with his church. It doesn't matter if we're married or not physically. We all need to come to the revelation of the marriage covenant God has established with his church. It's a covenant. Covenant is never designed to be broken, is it? The covenant Jesus made with you and I, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you in sickness and in health. Where do you think these words come from? See, we, we say it all, but we don't realize where it comes from. We don't realize the source of it. It's a covenant that he makes. He made a covenant with Abraham not to be broken. So when you make a covenant with a person, it's never to be broken. And look, there's no condemnation. Okay? It's funny how God teaches you stuff. And I don't know if you know or not, but I have been married before as a non-Christian. Isn't that funny? How the person that has been married before and is remarried is preaching on marriage now. Maybe I learned some things. There's no condemnation. God is always building, okay? But a covenant, this is why I tell you, if we can see this, it gives you faith is sight. So if I can see it, I can live for it. It gives me the motivation, the power to work things through. Even if the other person doesn't want to, I can. Why? Because I can see it. See, it's not about whether the other person plays their roles, it's whether I'm playing mine. It doesn't matter whether Danielle ultimately, in the sense of if she never plays her role, I can still play mine. But what happens if she does, or the other way around, then we have this perfect union, don't we? So what would it be like if both people can see, and both people are living towards what they can see? Can you imagine that marriage? Can you imagine the children being brought up in that environment? Can you imagine other family members? Can you imagine what your discipleship group, can you imagine what a church looks like? If the church fully grasped by revelation the number one fundamental priority in God's heart. See, it ain't about reaching lost people. It's not about finding your gift. It's not about function, guys. We're so functional. It's not about functional. God's first place, fundamental priority is not function. Otherwise, he would have taught us that. He teaches us it's relational. It's relationship. Why is it we miss it? Because our minds haven't yet been opened up that we would see like the woman of Matthew 15 and see the fulfillment of what has always been from the very start of the book that finishes at the end of the book. I've shared this before. If you, know, if you understand the first part of the book, you can understand the back part of the book. God starts with a purpose in mind of a finish. He is the author of the finish. Isn't that what Isaiah says? I declare the end from the beginning. We need to understand the end to walk right. Anybody of us do? No, we don't. I have not understood the end from the beginning when I heard, come follow me. I do now because through following Christ, he's opened up the end. So now my walking, my finishing is far greater and stronger than what it was when I started. 
He's that good, isn't he? Because he's about relationship. And you know, it's the Apostle Paul was not married. This is fascinating, isn't it? God gives the Apostle Paul, not Paul Costello, the Apostle Paul, who wasn't married, the primary purpose of teaching the marriage covenant. And he is the one who taught on it primarily in your notes. Listen to 2 Corinthians 11, 1 to 3. I think it's in your notes. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I wish that you would bear with me because what I'm about to say, you might think I'm a fool. Isn't the kingdom foolishness to a person that can't understand it? But isn't it wisdom to those that can? So he knows this reality. He says, just bear with me for a while. Then he says, but indeed you are bearing with me because he knows his audience. He knows he's got relationship. He knows that they know who he is. But it's fun to me how he starts it. For I betrothed you to one husband. That word means this, to join, to fit, to join as oneself. I betrothed you. Do you know we're actually already married to Christ? It's not, we're not engaged. We're married. In the Western culture, we're engaged until a certain day. In a Jewish culture, when you're betrothed, you're married. So we're married. Because once again, this is of the Spirit. That's a challenge, isn't it? Do I love Danielle more than I love the one I'm married to? Think spiritually. Okay? This is going to be weighty. I'm preparing you for the weightiness of this. Many of us might not have heard what you're about to hear, okay? Although, maybe you have. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband. It's interesting, isn't it? Who is that? Who's the one husband? Is it your physical husband, ladies? I don't think so. So that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. This man is jealous, passionate, convicted, convinced. He understands who he is in his role and he's jealous for the church that he would present the church as this beautiful people, a beautiful bride. His life was dedicated to this purpose. As a pure virgin, one that has never been with the world. Have we been with the world? Yes. I started with the world in me. God is outworking the world that's still within me called my flesh. But God is presenting me spotless, blameless. He wants to transform me. He wants me to enter into sanctification and have my what? My complete spirit, soul, and body transformed, renewed to the reality that is in God. That it's like I've never been with the world. I'm a virgin. A virgin in the physical has never been with one another, have they? They've never had that intimacy. There's never been the sexual intercourse. 
This is what he is presenting. This is Paul's mission. This is what he knew. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The great mystery that has been revealed to me, I want to see established in the church. I'm in labor again until Christ in you is formed. That's like you've never been with the world because Christ in you is forming you into a pure virgin. Spotless, blameless. Are we capturing the magnitude of Paul's mission? I thought he was just going preaching the gospel. Getting some people saved. Well, he was doing that too, but that was an outcome of his true understanding of what he knew. Apostolic, number one. Why do you think apostles are number one in the ranking? Because they have the heart and they understand and they see things. He's seeing things and bringing things relationally. So he's, I might present you as a pure vision, but this is it. I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve... By his craftiness, your minds will be led astray. That your minds will be led astray from the real, real reality in the first place priority of God. What does the Bible say in Romans 12 2? Be what? Transformed through the renewing of your mind. I'm afraid your minds are leading you astray from the reality of what God has for you. This is what he's saying, that the serpent, the enemy, is throwing thoughts at you. He's telling you lies, and you're believing them. You're believing your own mind, your own understanding of what marriage is always about. Why? Because your parents told you it. Because your parents didn't know what the real purpose of marriage. And their parents, and their parents, and and the world creates what the understanding of marriage is in your mind. What does he say? That led astray from the simplicity and the purity of a devotion to who? One another? Christ. So in your minds, you're being led astray from the relationship and the intimacy and the perfect union with the one that gave you life. Your focus, your priorities are all led astray. He is not number one. He is number four behind possibly a husband and a wife, a child, a sport, a career, fame, holiday homes, money, the white picket fence dream, the kingdom of darkness. Seek first the what? Kingdom of God and his righteousness and you will have what? Life. This is very serious Everything in God is serious, and Paul knew it. So Paul preached it. So Paul wrote about it. So the church would come out of the world, yes, be consecrated and set apart unto God, yes, be a royal holy priesthood who minister to the Father and to people, and be aliens on the planet. Living for the kingdom of God, which is a completely different kingdom upon the earth. Are you tracking with me? Does this make sense to your logical mind so far? But can you hear it? Can you see it? Because we're called to be living for it. Our marriages are to look different to those of the world. They are to look at the church and see marriages and individuals, once again marriage between Christ and the church and one another, and see God, living for a completely different standard because of our intimacy, our knowledge that sets us free. The truth will set you free, won't it? 
Who is the truth? Jesus Christ. So if I know Jesus Christ, not know about him, really know him, then I'm able to live this out. Can you see why knowing him, which I'm going to cover, is the primary purpose of God? Why it is our primary purpose? Yet people have said to me, when are we going to get past knowing him, this, this stuff? When are we going to move on from knowing him? You never do. Because all the hidden treasures and wisdom Colossians teaches me is in Christ. Why would you ever get past knowing God? But it's too simple, isn't it? You see, in God it's simple. But you try and understand that in the flesh and it doesn't make any sense. The profoundness of all the hidden treasures are in knowing God. Hmm, interesting. Then he goes on and he says, if someone else comes along, you believe that. So someone else comes along preaching some really good stuff, you just grab hold of it. Why? Because you don't have your mind of Christ on. So it sounds good to you. So you buy into that because it buys into your flesh because you don't have the mind of Christ. So you don't know the lie. And it leads you astray. And you're being led astray from the relational aspect, the primary purpose. And you are now distracted by the things of the world. A husband and wife can be distracted by one another. Living for one another, the priorities of one another. Isn't that what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I'm trying to save you from? Nothing wrong with being married, but I'm trying to stop you from living for one another. If you don't understand this thing, you won't understand marriage. And you'll live a subservient, uh, uh, what's the right word? Substandard, thank you. You won't experience the fullness of what your marriage covenant was about. In God and with one another. I don't know about you, but Danielle and I have been growing in this over the years and like last Saturday, we spent two hours out in our deck just dialoguing and stuff coming out of her, stuff's coming out of me. I'm going, I need to write this down. I don't even know this stuff is even in me. And it's just coming out. And you can hear it going, that's the word of heaven. I need to grab that and write it and eat it. And the oneness that God's been forming in us over the last 16 years but it's probably been in the last two to three years that it's ramping. It's ramping. And we sit and we dial it. And we don't have a specific time. We don't go, oh, on this night we're going to do this and this time. It's just in our everyday life. And as we're in the car and as we're doing this with the kids. And the kids are hearing it. The kids are inside. It's funny, I asked Danielle a question and Madeline answers. <laughs> you hear this voice. This is the answer. That's great, honey, but we didn't ask you. <laughs> butt out. But butt in. <laughs> Isn't that cool? So the environment, it's not about this particular... That's fine if you do that, but for us, it's more fluid. It's in the moment. And then use opportunities that happen to speak. We were just on the way here in the car, talking with the kids. Dad, what about this and what about that? And do you think we... Well, is there a possibility we could be in hell? Yes, there is, honey. If you don't have your own personal relationship with God, just because you know me and I'm your dad doesn't mean that gets you into heaven. You need your own personal. Oh, okay. So create a culture of this. Okay? So in your notes, underneath that scripture, to understand the primary purpose of the marriage covenant, 
to understand the primary purpose of the marriage covenant between a male and a female, we first need to have our ears and eyes open to understand God's primary and secondary purpose for his church. To understand the primary purpose of the marriage covenant between a male and a female, the physical, we first have to have our ears and our eyes open to understand God's primary and secondary purpose for his church. I'm not the church as an individual. The church is the body. We are the church. And as I said before, this is the greatest love story that's been written. God is the author and the perfecter of faith. Not our faith, of faith. We add our faith. It doesn't say that. It's of faith, which means it's his faith. So God perfects us to his faith, and his faith says sight. So if you can see it, he's going to perfect you to the sight that you can see, which is the end. Does that make sense? He's the author and perfecter of faith. Faith is the ability to see. So you need to be able to see the end. The author writes the whole story. When you can see the end, he's perfecting you to the end. Tracking with me? No? Yep. Okay. Feedback's good. So I know you're getting it, or at least mentally understand it, okay? This is essential. This is essential. That's why I wrote the book, Bird's Eye View. Picture of your finish line determines the end. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. You need to eat it. Not once, 50 times, and then do it again. There's a reality being declared in there, okay? I didn't spend a year just got nothing else to do. <laughs> Listen to what Jesus says to a group of Pharisees in Matthew 22. You are mistaken, not understanding the Scriptures, nor the power of God. So you're mistaken because you don't understand the Scriptures, the living Scriptures, nor the power of God. And this is all in relation to a woman who was asking, or a group of men who married one woman, were saying, well, whose, whose husband is she going to be in the resurrection? And Jesus says, there is no husband and wife after the resurrection. It's done its purpose. Oh, yeah, they don't understand scriptures, see? They don't understand. Their minds haven't been renewed to the reality of what is in God. Nor do they understand the power of God. That God is living do we understand the scriptures the way God has written them? Because we have revelation of the scriptures, not mental understanding. Do we know the power of God? Have we experienced the power of God that would create a changed life? The power of God that forms love, Ephesians 4, 3, 14 to 19, that I'm able to love my wife as Christ loves the church. There is much for us to come into. Much. I think we're only scratching the surface. So don't think, what does the Bible say? You don't yet know as you ought to know. That's an interesting truth, isn't it? Don't think more highly of yourself because of what you know. But the depths are incredible. So how well do we know the scriptures and the power of God? The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Do you just think that's lost people, or do you think that's all that was lost? What was lost when man fell? Everything. Everything contained in God was lost. 
Jesus seeks and save lost people, but he seeks, comes to seek and save all that was lost. See how it doesn't say that the church is to seek and save lost people? It says Jesus' role is to seek and save lost people. There's even a hint in there. Does that mean we don't go reaching and preaching? No. But whose role is it? Think primary purpose. Okay? Primary purpose. What do the scriptures teach is the greatest priority for man? What is it? Come on. What is it? Right. Love God. So why does most of the church spend more time actually reaching lost people then maybe not loving God. When I say loving God, I mean with all you are. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your resource? Where's your priorities? Are you spending more time running around or are you loving the Father? Have you had this connection where you can love someone else with the love of heaven? Because that's the standard. The standard, the perfect standard is love one another as I have loved you. You can't do that unless you've come into that love. So there's no much point running around trying to seek lost people because that's Jesus' role. Why my priority is to get to know the Father, that I can love the Father and then love people. Do you know the greatest evangelistical strategy in the church is to love God, love people and be one? Because then Jesus said this, if you do that, they will know I was sent for them. The demonstration of love and unity is the most powerful evangelistical strategy on the planet that God's given the church. But the church goes, no, that's too hard. Yes, in my own strength, that's too hard. So I'd rather go and reach some lost people. Back to front, aren't we? Wrong way round. Why? Because we're functional beings. We haven't yet come into relationship because we haven't yet come into the great commandment. Why do you think the great commandment is number one? Because it births eternal life. That's what he said to the rich young ruler, which is our challenge. Told you it was going to be weighty. Jesus has come to bring reformation. He came to restore all that was lost at the fall. Listen to Mark 1.14. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom gospel. Not John the Baptist's message, repent from sin. The kingdom message of the king. The king is looking for a bride. Okay? I love it. The time is fulfilled. What does that mean? means Jesus just turned up with his new kingdom. The time is now. What did he say to the Pharisees? You missed your time of visitation. So when the king turns up, you missed your time. Do you know you can miss the time? Because you don't have ears to hear, eyes to see the time, the message. It's a new message. It's a new wineskin, not new in God, new to us. We're trying to cram old stuff into a brand new wineskin. doesn't work. It's time to have the old wineskin let go of and come into the new reality of the new manna God is feeding the church. So the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God, which is this kingdom on this world. There's two kingdoms on this world. There's the kingdom of the world and there's the kingdom of God. Which one are we living for? Because one contains a marriage covenant between Christ and his church, which is going into the future. 
It's essential. This is why it's fundamental. This is the fundamental teaching that we start our relationship with. And yet, I didn't start here. I guarantee probably none of you did either. But God is bringing it to light. Has been for nine, ten years. Okay? Matthew 13, 10. Fascinating passage. Matthew 13, verses 10. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? So he's just taught about the kingdom parable of the sower of the seed, okay? What does he say? Jesus answered, To you, my church, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been granted. For whoever has to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. It has been granted to you, my church, to know the mysteries of this kingdom that is now on the earth because the time is fulfilled. The king of the kingdom is here to establish his spiritual kingdom, his spiritual domain on the earth. And you, my people, have been granted, given to know everything about that kingdom, everything about the priorities, everything about the ways, the life. It is not this earth. It has no reference to this earth, nothing to do with the earth. Even though you are on the earth, it is a completely different kingdom. Unbelievable. So here's a question. How hungry are we for what's hidden? It's a mystery. Are we hungry for what's hidden? Or are we happy with what we've got? Either way, it's fine in God. If you want to stay where you are, God's like, okay, I love you. My love doesn't determine by whether you're going after it or not. Isn't that cool? Isn't it cool that God's love isn't defined by our behavior? Man, that's awesome. But here's the challenge. What are we missing out on? I'm missing out if I'm not hungry for what's in God. What does he also say in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 13? Let's go have a look at that. It's probably in your notes. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says this, But just as is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. So there are things that have not yet entered our heart and our minds that are in the realm of the Spirit, and they are things God has prepared for those who love him. They're already prepared. He's not preparing them. They are prepared. It's done. It's finished. We don't have to try. We have to see what's there through our relationship with him. He says, for to us, Paul and these people that he knows, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Paul's saying, I know what these things are that have been prepared. Why? Because I went looking. I know them. I don't know about them. I know them. Do you? Here's the challenge. Do I? 
For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. What was the spirit of God given for? Yell it out. To lead us into all truth. So we can't know the truth without the Spirit of God. The Spirit's been given to lead us into all the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven because we've been granted to know them. You've been granted to know the greatest mystery. Okay? Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. I'm going to talk about this tomorrow. The ability to hear what's actually really being communicated. But it says the natural man can't accept them. So we have been given the Spirit of God to know the mysteries of God. And the mysteries are to be known. So they're no longer mysteries. The greatest mystery, Paul said, is what? What did he say the great mystery was? No, it wasn't Christ in you. That's a mystery, but he never said it was a great mystery. The great mystery is between Christ and his church. So have we come into the revelation of the great mystery of God and his church, where that mystery revealed has completely had you dropping every other lover turning around and your whole life is prioritized for God. That's when you know the mystery is revealed. Up until that point, you don't know it. I say that out of love, but you don't know it. Because wisdom is vindicated by her actions. God is looking for a people that are completely and 100% sold out for him first. Who do the what? will of himself and then everything else in your life has to be defined through that filter my marriage is defined by that filter my children is defined by that filter my job is defined by that filter my money is defined by that filter how i serve is defined my entire life is defined by that filter period weighty eh this is the enormity of who we're called to be because we're called to be priests on the earth, aren't we? Aren't we living stones being built up for a royal priesthood? My brethren, and so my the lost, um, we can't just ignore them and get on with our, our line of uh, knowing the Lord and knowing everything about the Lord. We have to actually, it's a less priority, yes, but we still have to work with them. I agree with you, but I'm not saying that, so I haven't said that. Okay, but um, out of what I'm talking about will come a natural flow of what you're saying. But if we try and do that with what I'm not saying, we will have all these other things in our lives. 
So I'm talking about his first place priority, which we need to come into, which will define every single thing, the gifts that we are, how they are used, doing nothing from my own initiative, otherwise I'm going to possibly hear words that I don't want to hear. But he also, in that scripture, he says, my brethren, brothers. Lost people aren't brothers in Christ. My brethren. I think that's even another scripture that we've not fully understood. But the point is, yes, God wants us to reach out, but not before we're, or while it's, let's say while it's forming in us, we are reaching out. But how many of us actually can truly say with a hand on our heart, I'm fully living in what I've just spoken. You are good. See, it's interesting. The Ephesians did all these great works, but they left their first love. And unless you come back to your first love, I'm taking the lampstand off you. So there is an, there is, the narrow path is narrow, and it has a one, two, three, four sequencing pattern. God works on patterns. So we must see one, two, three, and operate. I started at number two, and God has renewed me to number one. So then I flow from one to two to three to four. I'm just as passionate about lost people as I've always been. I engage with them. I have relationships with them. You know, we created the Ian Mack night for lost people. It's just not the priority. It's secondary behind my absolute because I'm, it's about a marriage. And the question is, am I faithful in my marriage now? That's the question. See, it's spiritual marriage. Am I faithful? Am I a faithful bride? Or am I running around with a whole lot of other lovers? That's what the entire book is about, from the new to the old to the old to the new. God comes, what, for an unfaithful harlot and loves her. That's us. And the greatest day you realize that's the greatest day, it's you. It's us, it's me. Heavy, weighty, which one? Okay, just in our notes again, but thanks, Russell. Thanks for that, mate. Um, <clears throat> understanding, so underneath Ephesians 5, understanding through revelation the marriage covenant, understanding through revelation the marriage covenant between Christ and his church is fundamental to understanding God's will. Understanding through revelation the marriage covenant between Christ and his church is fundamental to understanding God's will. This all comes through knowing God, which truly is the primary purpose of God. I'm going to fly a bit, okay? This revealed truth of the marriage covenant, notice the words revelation, revealed. This, that's a key word in everything. This revealed truth of the marriage covenant which is between Christ and his church, affects every aspect of our relationship with Christ and one another. 
So once again, it's not just about me and Christ, it's about me and Christ and the body of Christ. What did Sam say? Your business is my business, my business is your business. Well, I don't like that. Well, get over it because it's the truth. Okay? Especially our physical human marriages. So that's the other bit. So I'll read it all. This revealed truth of the marriage covenant, which is between Christ and his church, affects every aspect of our relationship with Christ and one another, especially our physical human marriages. If we don't comprehend this, meaning the marriage covenant between Christ and his church, through the renewing of our minds, number one, we won't understand why the greatest commandment is to love God with all we are. And because we don't understand, we won't be living this out. It's not to love people, the lost, works, gifts, signs, and wonders, prophecy. Those are all functioning works that come from relationship, and God defines all those things through the relationship. Otherwise, we do. Number two, we won't understand why Jesus said we are not worthy of him if we love a wife, father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, even our own lives more than him. That's a powerful passage, isn't it? You'll find it in Matthew 10, 34 to 39. It's the great two tests, the relational test and the missional test. He's asking, if you love these, you're not worthy of me. What are we not worthy of? The great mystery, which is Christ and his church. But you're also in that passage, he says, you're not living for me. Those who pick up their cross and follow me for my life, not your version of my life, my sake, he says, my sake. You need to understand what my sake is, doing it from my way. Okay, so once again, if we don't get this understanding, none of these scriptures will make sense. And the third thing, we won't understand why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 that we have, if we have wise, we should live as if we have none. You'll be going, what? Why does Paul say the very first thing in 1 Corinthians 7, 1 is not to touch a woman? Because they're dangerous. <laughs> Why does he say this? He then goes on and says there's nothing wrong with marriage, but the but's really important, and the ands in God are really important. The but and the ands. He says if you are married, fill your boots, but know this. Vice versa, ladies, if you're married, know this. Your devotion your time goes towards the one you married, not the one you married. Shift, see? See how our idolatry starts? Your eyes go off the Christ and onto something else. Idolatry starts at that moment. So he's trying to help us. He's trying to protect us from us. So he then gives you the counsel. I mean, he's not saying get divorced when he says live as if you don't. He's trying to say to you, the times are short. Get your life in order and priority because there's a judgment seat coming for your life. For your life is not your own. It has been given to you, and I'm looking for something back. God is going to expect much of his church at that judgment seat, and we need to once again be awakened to God loves me this I know, and I can live as I want. That is not the plan of heaven, guys. Read the other part of the lion's red letters not just the lamb's red letters. Things like you're not worthy if you love another. We have to wrestle with that in the spirit. Not be condemned. 
Father, what are you saying? Show me through revelation why you wrote that down. Okay? So we can come into it. Okay, under that, none of these truths, the truths above, will make sense and have us living differently unless we receive revelation of the great mystery between Christ and his church. None of these truths will make sense and have us living differently because that's the goal, isn't it? The goal is to live like Christ, walk in the manner in which Christ walked on the earth unless we receive the revelation of the great mystery between Christ and his church. It causes the life. Sight, revelation of this purpose in God causes a person to live like this because they've received the promise, the power of the promise, the word within them, the word within you is what we need to perform the work of God, correct? Otherwise, I'm trying to do it in my own strength, and how many know that doesn't work? So it's the word of God that performs the work of God. The word performs the work. The word performs the work. Not me, the word. Hence, I need to hear the word that performs the work. God's secondary purpose for the church is to conform her into the image of his son. Because this is the church's bridal preparation. In other words, spiritual oneness, maturity. God's secondary purpose for the church behind knowing him, that's his primary, is to conform her to the image of his son. Because this is the church's bridal preparation. In other words, spiritual oneness, maturity. And if you go read those scriptures in Romans 8, 26 to 30, that tells you it. God works all things out for those who love him in accordance to his purpose, which is the conformity of us into the image of the Son. Jesus prayed in John 17, I pray that same prayer in Romans, that the church would be one. The Bible says that we are to be perfected into unity, spiritual oneness. We are to be perfected into love. Do you think if you're being perfected into love, you can love like the Father? For the love, perfect love is the love of the Father, isn't it? Love is perfect. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Perfect love casts out fear. So if you're being perfected in love because you know the great mystery, because you've seen it, so you lay your life down and you're living for him, and through that engagement he's revealing this within you, then you're able to love like God. You're being perfected into oneness and love just underneath those scriptures, God's secondary purpose for his church. You need to read this because when I read it, I thought, well, is that confusing or not? So God's secondary purpose for his church is the primary purpose for the physical marriage covenant between a man and a woman. So what I'm saying is there's a flow. So God's secondary purpose for the church, which is to, for us to become like one, for us to become love, that the word becomes living, that we are being transformed into his bride, is the primary purpose for the physical. Does that make sense? So you can see the flow from heaven down. Christ and his church, Christ and those that are married, the flow. It goes into the 12 and it goes into the body. His way flows from the top down not bottom up and it affects every part of the body 
Because what we are as individuals, we are as a church, aren't we? If there is no unity and oneness in the marriage physically, there'll be no unity and oneness here. Or very limited because depending on your oneness and unity as you are as an individual, you come along. It's not separate, it's you. So you bring your unity and oneness with you because it's you. Well, if, that's, if everyone's not on that journey together, then what you get is this messed up looking thing. So when one speaks who's in oneness with God, the others can't hear because the unity and the oneness is different. You tracking with me? So you can see the power of this relationship, then this relationship, then the kids, then the 12, and then the 500. And the flow is to flow from the one God through the church. So when the church turn up on a Sunday gathering or a Wednesday gathering, oneness. Not conformity through man's ways, oneness because we all know the spirit, for the word is spirit. So God's secondary purpose for his church is the primary purpose of Daniel and I's marriage. God's primary purpose for the marriage covenant between a man and a woman is spiritual oneness, maturity in Christ. The second part, God's primary purpose for the marriage covenant Okay, the whole paragraph is God's secondary purpose for his church, which is the group of people, is the primary purpose for the physical marriage covenant between a man and a woman. Then the second sentence, God's primary purpose for the marriage covenant between a man and a woman is spiritual oneness, maturity in Christ. So it's the same purpose. But he works everything in foreshadows. Okay? So you can't get away. It's absolutely the same purpose. So his purpose for the church is the purpose that he has, his number one purpose between Danielle and I. It's not to have kids. Okay? We've taught this. It's not to have sex so you don't cross a line and sin. You can't control yourself, get married, son, so you don't have sin. No, it's for spiritual oneness. Now, where was that said? Was that said in Ephesians? No, it was said in Genesis 2, right at the start of the book. So he starts right at the start of the book and says to you, this is what my heart intent is for your marriage with one another, is the two are going to become one. And as the two become one, it's preparing you for something greater because I'm going to be the other person in that marriage. For you are married to me. So the Lord becomes really the groom, and Danielle and I become the bride. Oh, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Now. Not in the future. Now. And so in our physical marriage, God gives me the same command. Son, love her like I love you. And Danielle, submit to him like you submit to me. Unity, oneness, same design, perfect flow. It has the same outcome when it's in him. It's so cool. His design is perfect. His ways are not ours though, are they? His thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. But we can know his ways and know his thoughts, yes? 
because the Spirit of God has been given that we would know things freely and then live them out and be the demonstration. See, the problem is we're trying to judge some of this truth through our head, not through our experience. We must come into the reality of what's taught, not just try and understand it in our head, because then you come up with your version of it. True understanding comes through receiving, not the other way around. So we have to receive this through revelation to understand it and then to speak of it and to teach it. Otherwise, we're teaching something that's not him. It's your version of what you think it is. It may be technically Logos truth, but it's not a Rema word. It's not a revealed word. It's not a living word because you haven't, it hasn't yet come down a work in your heart. You've only captured it in your head. Well, that's powerless. That's why men can always learn and understand and never come to the knowledge of truth. 2 Timothy. That's why the Pharisees knew stuff, but they couldn't live it. See, it wasn't a revealed word. It wasn't a Rema word. Continuously living word, which changes the way they acted. That's the point. Okay? So he gives you this reality in Genesis right at the start to show you. I love this. Out of Adam, he reached in. So out of one man, he reaches in and grabs a rib and pulls out the other. Yeah? So out of the one become two. I start as one, I've joined myself to another. Then what happens? The two then become one. It's a principle in God. The principle of one, where the power is in one. Yeah? It's one Lord. So out of the one man he pulls and becomes two, then he says, right, go back and be one. It's friggin' awesome. Power of one. I pray that you would be two still. One. What as? A body. And I give you the marriage covenant to create a body that's one. Now, if you're not physically married, you're in the body so you can be one because you're married to me like everyone else who is in a marriage covenant physically is married to me. So ultimately, we're all married to Christ, aren't we? So we can be one. So is my marriage becoming one with Christ and one another? Spiritually. Here spiritually, I'm not saying we're robots. I'm not saying I lose my personality. I'm not saying I'm trying to become someone I'm not. I'm not saying, Danielle, you need to be like me and I need to be like her. That would be scary. I'm talking oneness of spirit, which isn't Hebrew. It's not Greek. It's not English. It's not Afrikaans. It's not Samoan. It is spirit. So we are to be the people of the spirit who understand the things of the spirit and then live it out in a physical representation you can't try and live out the physical if the inner realm isn't being sorted out you're just trying to do it in your flesh the natural man does not understand the things of the flesh which means he can't live it out so you live out the reality in which you're living you will have the fruit of your inner realm Period. What you sow, you will reap. Biblical principle. Seed, time, and harvest. Yeah? So it's why Jesus said, revelation in the heart, which is where our understanding starts. Back to your notes. Our human covenantal marriages are a means to a greater end. They are not the end in themselves. Our human covenantal marriages are a means to a greater end. They are not an end in themselves. They're a foreshadow. 
So there's the challenge. I didn't have that understanding when I married. I thought my marriage covenant was the end. It's not. It's a means to an end. It's a means to what's something greater. I'm so glad. I'm sure Danielle is too. And when you can see the end, you have the motivation to live it out here. You work through things. You teach certain things. What are you teaching your children if you don't know the end? You're teaching them your end of what you know. So we need to be continually asking for more, don't we? Because there are these mysteries. Marriage on earth serves as our apprenticeship for our marriage in eternity. Marriage on earth serves as our apprenticeship for our marriage in eternity. Unfortunately, not all followers realize this. Now in Luke, there's this really fascinating passage because Luke 14, 16 to 20 is talking about the wedding feast. Have a look in your notes. So it's talking about the wedding feast between Christ and his bride in the church. And what do some people say? Why aren't they there? When the invite goes out, what is one of the reasons why they're not there? Because we just got married. <laughs> Can you see how if you don't grab this, you go the opposite way of what your marriage is for than the purpose for it, and you go, sorry, I just got married. We need to spend time with one another, and we need to live in idolatry. And we need to be so consumed by each other, suck the life out of one another, and try and find the purpose in one another, which is going to kill our marriage because we don't have it in him. It cracks me up. The very purpose that you would be at that wedding feast, you're invited, you go, sorry, I'm busy. It breaks his heart, it should break ours. The very purpose of the marriage covenant, you're going, no, sorry, God, I'm going to do it my way which will have you not being present, won't it? What about Matthew 19? Almost coming to an end on this session. This is fascinating. Matthew 19, verse 3. Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they no longer so they're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. From the beginning, it has not been this way. Listen to what the disciples say in verse 10. They said, if the relationship of a man is with his wife is like this, it is better not to marry. From the beginning. Here's the point. You can see the end when you start. What are the chances of getting a hard heart? If you can see the end 
from the beginning. It has not been this way from Genesis chapter 2. Reference is a powerful thing, isn't it? A reference point for where you're heading before you begin. Then I have the life in me when I enter into this physical covenant that it will go well and I won't seek divorce because I don't have a hard heart. Because I have the revelation of the promise, I have love. Because the revelation of the promises form Christ in me. Christ in me is the hope of glory. So if Christ in me, I have love. When the offense comes, there's no room for offense in me because love is in me. Love is filling up the vacant spot. So there is no offense when love is in me because love trumps the offense. So how can I have a hard heart if love is in my heart? It is soft, supple, gentle patient, kind, long-suffering, holds no wrongs, bears all things, hopes all things, believes all things for the other. You and I can know that love. We've been born to know the love of the Father. And that's why the disciples look at that and go, that's weighty. Would it be easier not even to enter into it? Maybe. Maybe it would be. Maybe not. But here's the thing. If you're considering getting married, do you have this view of marriage? What is your view of marriage? Is it more about you as individuals trying to find something? Or is it about you as individuals knowing God and then coming together with a purpose of what our marriage is really going to be about? The honoring of him. And giving glory to him through looking completely different. And we can still have kids and we can still have a house and we can still go on holidays and we can still have cars and we can still have the things of the world. We're just not defined by the things of the world. We're defined by the king of the kingdom in which we live in. And Jesus is saying, from the beginning, it has not been my way. My perfect design is that my people would know the perfect design, know the roles and responsibilities, what we're looking at in session two, and live them out so you would not find yourself with a hard heart seeking divorce. This is what the truth will do. It will set you free. It's not abstract. It's not just words on a page. It is a living, breathing reality to be experienced and known through one who knows Jesus Christ. Amen? So I know it's weighty, but it's powerful, and it should bring us in reference, reverence, sorry. Fear of the Lord, a reverence. Oh man, I need to turn and start asking and seeking and knocking and asking him to reveal in me the mysteries of his kingdom. All right? Session one over.